Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly, this year, dedicated to Nishmas, Nachum Yaakov, Ben Tzvi Hirshel, Vashalom, Vashavachana, Vashalom, Vashibodu, Vashavram, Shiyuchya. This Shabbos, we gain two parshas, Matas and Masai which is a lesson in its own. This Shabbos, the Shabbos Varchim Chedish Menachem Ov. And tonight, as you might know, is date is Chav Vav. Chav Vav Tamos. Chav of Tammuz is a special day in my family at least. It is it would be my father's birthday. So happy birthday, father. Does a birthday still resonate? Does a birthday still have any kind of effect once the person is no longer with us? And the answer to that, yes. And tonight is, of course, also the yard site of Nachman Yaakov. Ben Hirsch. and therefore we are dedicating this year even more so to him. May his neshama have an aliyah. May he be a good tibetan for the whole family, his wife, for his children. They shall have long, happy years together. We should be zeicher tekitzu v'ranu sheich neafar. And Shiach should come and we will merit to all dance together. <coughs> to the Gula Mitz Vashlima. Pashas. Matas and Masai together. Very, very important. Also, of course, I was neglect. I neglected to mention. It is Chazak. Chazak and Chumash Bamidbar. So, we need to talk about, and of course, bring about a lesson for each and every part and portion of this parasha, of these parashas.
Let us begin. <coughs> Interesting point. Meshe Rabbeinu takes the Eden to war. They go to battle. They defeat them. Then it comes Midian. And an interesting phenomenon comes about. Two and a half Shvatim. No more, no less. Two and a half. Approach Meish Rabbeinu and tell Meish Rabbeinu Miknerav we have a lot of sheep a lot of flock a lot of flock and it would probably be better and more beneficial for us to stay on this side of the Yardane if you don't mind if you don't mind we'd like to stay here and um, we forego any chilek that we have had apportioned for us in Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu's reaction was not a pleasant one. Moshe Rabbeinu's reaction was actually a very, very sharp reaction. But you know, I would say put yourself in Moshe Rabbeinu's shoes, but he probably wore sandals. Um, no, he wore shoes actually. Hashem tells him when he comes to the snare, take off your shoes. So he must have worn shoes. Um, Meshe Rabbeinu unfortunately because of the story of Meimidiva the story where the stone was hit instead of spoken to Meshe Rabbeinu suffered the ultimate punishment that God could give him which was he was denied entry into the Holy Land of Israel We would think practically that Moshe worked for a recruitment to Aliyah Center. Moshe was a staunch, staunch fan of the Holy Land of Israel. This is one of the worst, this is not one of the worst, this was the worst thing that could happen to any person, any given person, was Moshe Rabbeinu being told that he's not going to go into Eretz Israel. It was, it was just horrific. And that being said, Shevet Ruin, Shevet God, 
Chatsi Shevet Menashe turn around and tell Moshe, we are not so keen on going into the Holy Land. What, what is this all about? Yuta Nesaretz Hazei Slavadecha Lachuza Altavireinu Esayarding Don't take us across the Yarding. Moshe reprimands. What does he reprimand? He doesn't reprimand. Do you not understand how holy Eretz Yisrael is? Are you oblivious to all that I've been teaching for 40 years of how special it is that we're going to the Holy Land? I mean, after all, let's talk practice. Dugrish. What kept sanity? What kept sound mind in the people traveling 40 years in the desert the ones that were, that were under the decree from 20 to 60 they knew unfortunately they were not going to make it out of the desert they were not going to the holy land but the ones that were not in the gazeta not under the decree what kept them sane was the fact that they knew and they were told, and repeatedly told, and again told, that they were going to the promised land. To the holy land promised our forefathers. Does it make sense that a two and a half shvatim turn around and say, you know what? We don't want to go in. We don't want to go in. Especially, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't sit. And it's needless to say, of course, that Meshe Rabbeinu was constantly talking about the Holy Land. Constantly talking about the schus and the merit and what there is to look forward to that they're going into the Holy Land of Israel, So this was his, shall we say, theme song throughout the 40 years. And now all of a sudden, to hear from the people, eh, I don't know if I want to go in. I don't know. Lo Bali. As a matter of fact, not low Bali. It was let me settle here. And we don't want to go across. You tell us how it says. So in Moshe's reprimand, he says, he goes one step further, and he says, you are just like the Miraglin, like the spies. You're just like these people that sinned and and spoke poorly of the Holy Land. I would do anything to go into the Holy Land.
Why all of a sudden would people, his followers, his chassidim, people that have been worshipping Moshe Rabbeinu for 40 years, turn around and stab him in the back in such a way? Everybody knew very well how pained he was that he was not going into that cell. And now all of a sudden, to say we don't want to go into that cell. Now, he turns around and tells them, this reprimand and their response is you know what we don't want to go into the land to settle there we are very happy to simply go in fight the war if what you're saying is you're worried that we are going to turn around and backstab our friends, our fellow Jews. We all fought together now, and all of a sudden we're not going to fight. And you have to also bear in mind that Shevet God was not just regular soldiers that were giving up a battle. When you lost the battle, when you lost on the battlefield, Shevet God, it was not a good thing. Shevet God were the type of soldiers that, with one fell swoop, with one move of the sword they decapitated and took off the arm of a person they got the head and the shoulder that's where the shampoo came from they got head and shoulder in one shot so you don't want to give up such soldiers when they said we're going to go as well we're going to fight and we're not going to touch our land. We're just going to leave our wife and children here. But we're not going to settle. We're not going to move in. We're not going to make ourselves comfortable here until the battle is over, until everything is divided up. What w- went on behind the scenes? Mesha was fuming mad at them, compared them to the Miraglim, and afterwards was all lovey-dovey to them. No problem, Kindler. It's a great idea. I'll get some cold cells. Kassidus explains, the Shvatim general chose this profession to be shepherds. Today's day they say those who can't teach, they can't do anything else to go and teach. Um, in those days if you didn't want to work too hard you became a shepherd you, shop, you shoot out the flock in the field made sure it was chomping on the grass his customers didn't usually have many complaints sheep were not talking back to him <laughs> then he made sure they got some water also and that's Vidanya, he brought them home. If you are a real, I'm sure the upper class shepherd, thank you, had to also do the wool, make sure things were good.
Chaim. You have to understand also they were in a uh, they were in open fields. It wasn't like today's laws. We have to uh, curb your do- curb your dog. Yeah, there was no curve of sheep here. It was the sheep did what he wanted, where he wanted, and Gang of Aita, he didn't have to pick up after him. So it was a pretty cushy job. But what was a cushy job for? It didn't take up time, therefore allowing you, affording you, time for spirituality. You were able to give yourself over most of your day, most of your wake hours, to serving Hashem. Davening, saying Tilim, learning. So we find this is the intention, actually, of God and Ruben. To stay behind on this side of the Yarden, they did not want to, just like, unfortunately, we can't compare the same, but ultimately, this was the battle cry of the Miraglam as well, where the Miraglam said, we don't want to have to be involved in mundane worldly things. We just want to sit and study Taylor. So in order to say, to stay and sit and learn Teda and to serve Hashem, the Miraglam, the, the sorry, Reuven and God asked to stay on this side of the Yardim. When Mesha heard this, he reminded himself what happened with the Miraglam. Because this was, as we said before, this is the Miraglam's request as well. And ultimately, this is not what God wants. God wants that a person should go out, involve himself in worldly life, so he can do worldly mitzvahs. When you detach yourself from worldly things, you can't fulfill that kavana. You have to take challah when you bake a dough. If you're not a baker, if you buy bakery challah, you don't take challah. You never do the mitzvah. You, the trumas, the maestres that are obligated in Eretz Yisrael, trumas and maestres have to be given in Eretz Yisrael. If you don't have your field in Eretz Yisrael, and you're not working your field in Eretz Yisrael, you're not giving trumas and maestres. Etc., etc., all the other mitzvahs that need to be done physically in a mundane world, even to the level of tzedakah. With the tzedakah also, you need to have, earn money so that you can give tzedakah. <laughs> Tell people, you're going out to work so that you can earn money so that you can give tzedakah. Not that you feed your family, not that you pay tuition, not that you pay rent, so you can give tzedakah. So that you make sure you take miser from your money. And this is the intention of the world creation. In that case, why was he appeased? Why was Moshe appeased after all said and done? They wanted to do this. They wanted to detach themselves from worldly world, 
worldly uh, tasks. And they outright said that that's why they wanted to stay in on this side of the Yardin. No, Sabas. What became so nice all of a sudden? What was such a cheery thing? The truth is, and ultimately the answer, as much of an answer as it is, remains a little bit of a sticky question. Amongst Jews, there are two types. There's the Balaisik, the worker, and there's the Yeshevel, the one that sits and studies Tata. You need the Balaisik. You need the working people. You need the working class. Because this way, they make their contribution to society, and ultimately, they enhance the Kedusha for the Yeshavayel. You need the Yeshavayel, you need the person sitting and studying Teda, because the world stands on the study of Teda. B'nai God and B'nai Ruben asked to become Yeshavayel. Now the real question is really, um, we know that Yisach and Zvulun had this pact. Zvulun went out to work and he supported Yisach. So why isn't Yisach saying I want to stay out here? The answer to that is a simple one actually though. Because the fact is that it's a partnership. is a partnership. That it's a mitzvah say. You be happy going out to work and you be happy that you're sitting and studying because you're going to support him and you're going to support him. You're going to support him spiritually and you're going to support him monetarily, physically. And therefore, they needed to be Hand in hand. The only way they can be hand in hand is they're both in the Holy Land. So Yisachar coming into the Holy Land and not saying, I want to stay out of the Holy Land so that I, can, I don't have to work. You didn't have to work. You had Zvulun already working for you. Moshe Rabbeinu is suspected though. This Yesh that they wanted to be, Reuben and God, was a detachment that they wanted to detach themselves from the nation, from the Holy Land, everything. Just sitting in Lenny Tata be soaked, entrenched. it didn't sit with him that people should want to just do that so, so strongly. And therefore it didn't, he was, he was, his boat was rocked. When they said though, we're going to go out, we're going to go out as Pai, we're going to be the first one. We're not going to go out in the battle with everybody together. We're going to lead the battle. We're going to go into that cell, we'll lead the battle for them. And until this land isn't settled, we're not going to settle in our own land. 
They were ready to go for Mesidus Nefesh. They were ready to give up their own lives for this. Now he understood that they were sincere. And therefore their sincerity was accepted. And therefore it was agreeable to give them the Yerusha on the other side of the Yardin. Matis and Masa, as we said before, very often time come together. Don't envy the Bamitsuboy that gets the Pashas together, but I know one that did, and he actually did it very, very well many, many, many years ago. It is a grueling, grueling, it's not so much the hard, it's not easy either, but it's also extremely, extremely long. When they're together, though, We don't say Pashius Matis Masai, Matis Umasai. We say Pashius Matis Masai. Which means to say, it's like you say Pashius Breshis, Pashius Noyach, Pashius Bishalach, Pashius Matis Masai. It becomes a single entity. When the Mechuvarim, there's Elias, how the Elias are divided up, the seven Elias and Maftir, goes in accordance with the way they're divided up. With, with them both being together. And they're read as one, and as we all know, always Ravi is the bridge part of the Elias, where it finishes in one Pasha and goes into the next. Whenever there's two Pasha together, it's always the, the fourth Aliyah that puts the two together. And so too, Ravi now is, finishes Matis and begins Masai. Finishing the story of the conquering, the wars, the battle, Chavas Yoyer, and goes into Masi. Both of them talking about going into Hetzel. Pashas Masi. In Mini Chabad, if Pashas Matz Masai are separate, Shabbos Mincha before Masai and Monday and Thursday we lay in all the Masais. We don't cut short. We lay in all till all forty-two. The forty-two Masais that they had, forty-two journeys when they left Egypt all the way until entering the Holy Land. The conquering of Everayad the Mizrahi, through Shevet Ruvi Menashe, God and Rehef Menashe, was the prelude to going into the Holy Land. So therefore, Masa itself, we reach now to the Shlav, the level that we're now going into the Holy Land. We finally come to, they rested in Arveis Moyov by the Yarden Yerechei. Arriving there, Mul Yerechei, which was Minulas Sha'eretz Yisrael. Literally the doorpost here. Teira is perpetual, it's Nitzchis. Teira is not a story, it happened. 
So there are things that need to also be learned in our daily life. Mm-hmm. And the daily generation after generation of the Jew has to take a lesson from what transpired in the Teda. Chassidus explains, what does Yitzhiyah Mimitzrayim mean? The Jews left Egypt. We do this every year, because it's fun. We tell the marshal of the rabbit in the ditch, and in the 19th rungs of his ladder, every day up one, down one, up two, down one, how many days does it take to get out of the ditch? And everybody always <coughs> says, uh, he went up two and down one. Had to be 21 days. Kids, it was 19 days because on the 19th day, he went up two, he didn't go back down one. There's 19 rungs. 18 days. It's number 20 rungs, whatever it is. But each rung was a rung taking him out of the ditch. The Maisa, the last rung, took him out of the ditch. Each rung was leading up to getting out of the ditch, but the only the last rung did he actually go out of the ditch. On the other hand, how many times can he get out of the ditch? Only once. You're out, you're out. Or you can fall back in or something else, but once you're out, you've, you've come out of the ditch. The Jews left Mitzrayim. So Taylor used the words, Masay bin Yisrael, she Mitzrayim. The journeys that they took to leave Egypt, they took one journey, they walked out of Egypt, they walked out in the doubt. Why plural journeys? Because each time, a person finds himself in his own Mitzrayim, his own Mitzorim Mugvulim. Each generation, until we go into the Gula Amitiz Vashlema, we are constantly struggling with our personal Mitzrayim. And we are constantly trying to escape our personal Mitzrayim. And this, therefore, is the constant perpetual journeys that Jews experience leaving Egypt. This was also the yearning of Shevet, God, Ruven, and Hef Menasheh to settle on the other land, on the other side of the Yarding. This is a preparation to accepting the Holy Land. And by also broadening Keni, Knizi, and Kadmeni, which are going to be added in, when Mashiach comes with the Gula Mitzvah What's our lesson for this? A Jew needs to constantly be standing, prepared, waiting for Gula. Especially in today's days. We're standing the last days of Golas. We need to be ready for that shafer to blow. What is the preparation? Each and every Jew needs to prepare himself by adding teda, adding things of teda, adding mitzvahs. And this way he comes to his geula pratis, his private geula. 
This is a preparation also to the Geula Kholos. Of the Geula's Kol Yisrael, the Kol Katsvitevel. This way also he brings about the general Geula of the whole Kol Yisrael. Something else we learn from Pasha's Masih. Every journey was a journey towards Geula. Even the Yedid that brings about the Aliyah, even the going down, in order to be able to come up higher, was a step towards the Gula. So when a Jew finds himself in Arva Yismayav, which is the end of Golos, Arva Yismayav of Arva Yismayav, dark, he's overwhelmed with all the tests trials, tribulations. Definitely, Chas Hashem cannot give up. He cannot despair. But just the opposite. He needs to take it, the bull by the horns, and jump stronger into this. Because only through this terrible Yerida, only through this drop that we get to Golas, the lowliness of Golas, do we achieve the ultimate redemption, the highest level? Pasha's Matas Masai is always laid in the weeks known as Bein HaMitzarim. Bein HaMitzarim are the weeks between Shivasa B'Tamuz and Tisha B'Av, formerly known as the Three Weeks. Unfortunately today, People have become lackadaisical. And they come up with stories and excuses. And all the halachas of the three weeks are falling by the wayside. And even the nine days is falling by the wayside because they found out there's a thing called Shavuah Shechalbay. The week that Tishabav comes out, the week that Tishma comes out is actually, yes, very stringent. But that doesn't say that the three weeks don't exist, or the nine days don't exist. Um, I don't know what the mocker is for any of it. Although Acheno Asfardim have a uh, different twist on this, I... I have yet to find a source. I mean, I know who's saying it for them, but it doesn't mean that I've seen his source to where this comes from, that only Shvua Shechalbo is anything relevant. Music, haircuts, Hefke. It's all Hefke. The Bein HaMetzorim has a double meaning to it. From one side, it's three weeks that we mourn the destruction of the Churban of the Golas. On the other hand, the Shabbosim in Bein HaMetzarim are Shabbos. Shabbos, you're not allowed to mourn. Adram. You need to have pleasure on Shabbos. Shabbos. So these Shabboses bring out actually the extreme good 
even which is hidden in the time of exile. You're looking here from the darkness of the week of the three weeks. How awful the Golos is! How painful the exile is! And then we look at Shabbos and we see the ultimate beauty, the ultimately good, the wonders of good. The Geula that's planted, Dafka, in the time of Golos. If you're not in Golos, you can't have a Geula. So when it comes to actual Geula, we refer to it as Yahovchu Yimei Evil Atzmam, Lemei These days will be turned over to days of happiness and joy. This happens Dafka in the Shabbosis. Because Dafka through this t- in this time when we're in the middle of all the mourning throughout the weeks the Shabbos itself comes about comes by and brings about a new Simcha. We see this especially in the parshas of Matas Masay that we read in Dafka in this parsha in this time. Bnei Israel are prepared, compared sometimes to Shvatim, and sometimes to Matis. Both Shevet and Mata are sticks, are branches that were cut from a tree formerly known as Shtekin. But the Shevet is a softer branch that's freshly cut off. It still has in it the moisture of the tree. And the Mata is a dried staff. But the two mm-hmm. names, Mata and Shevet, Hint the neshama coming down from its highest source into this physical mundane world. And as if, God forbid, the neshama was detached from its actual source. Like the branch from the tree. But sometimes we are detached like a shavit. And we still have within ourselves the moisture of the tree, the moisture of godliness. But sometimes, unfortunately, we're like a mate, the staff that's dried, totally detached. This is the lowly of, lowliest state that one reaches. On the other hand, Masse, the Pasha of Masse, which is the other Pasha of these two Pashas, hints the journey the neshama takes from its highest source from above to the world the lowest of low. And the second shlav, the second no, shlav is a uh, hmm 
call it a level, but it's not a level. Stage. It'll be a stage, but it's not going to fit. Doesn't fit apropos to the thing. Second part, second portion. Yeah, the first part of a life and the second part, second shlav. Where the neshama goes down into the goddess as well. And we see this yirid alamata, we see this lowering down lower and lower. To literally to the lowest part, to the lowest mitzias. But what is the whole idea behind this yirid? Why does this, why do we go down to this lowly place? In order we can, in order that we can revert and we can come back up to the higher. The mata yavish, the dry staff, has also a, a message to it. It's strong, it's staunch. Where the shavit, the wet staff, doesn't hold strong. When you lean on it, it's not going to hold you up. Same way we look at Matis and Masi. The Tachlis of the Yerida. Why are we coming down into this world? In order to reach and to achieve that bind, that connection with God. And the Pashas of Matis and Masi therefore hint to us the true revelation of the Golas to bring us to the highest level Dafkev from within Golas by standing staunch, standing strong with the study of Teda and, Judah, and Judaism, this way revealing the Gula Ashtema. And this is what we find in these Shabbasas of Bainam and Sarim. As we said before, that the Aliyah is planted Dafke in this Yerida. And therefore, Juno needs to constantly remember that the reason the Neshama came down to this world, to this lowly world, is to involve himself in the world of Gullahs for one sole purpose, in order to reach and to achieve the highest level, the holy level, Agula Mitzvah And recognizing this, Tafka through the hardships of the world. And the Malay is Ratzin Hashem to fulfill the Ratzin of God, Dafke, through the Yerida and the Dcheshech. And this is the Dara that a person brings about the Gulas Hashemita Hashem. The story of the Hashem HaKadosh, after the Wednesday night shear, he also gave a Wednesday night shear, probably. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't give Wednesday night shear? After Wednesday night shear, told one of the Chsidim, Prepare yourself for going tomorrow to Leipzig. Leipzig was a city that was like a marketplace city. It was basically in Germany. And it was a distance. It's probably 10 hours away from Ezebush. His chassid was ecstatic to hear this. First of all, he's having this chus to travel with the Basham. Second of all, he's going to see, definitely going to see wonders, miracles, special things. But most importantly, not most importantly, the bonus behind it, shall we say, his parents lived in Leipzig. 
He'll be there for Shabbos. Hopefully, he'll be able to catch a glimpse. Say hello. Get a, 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 a kiss on the cheek with his grandmother. No. Came Thursday morning. Bashev told him. I hate to tell you this. You're not going to have time to even see your parents there. He was shocked. But this is what the Vashem tells him, this is what the Vashem tells him. No, the custom was, they got into the wagon, early morning after davening, and the Vashem told the wagon driver, as soon as we got out of the city limits, excuse me, leave go of the reins. Okay, if these go the reins, umelaved, 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 and the wagon's going. Hour after hour after hour, the wagon is going. This chassid starting to wonder. It's a ten-hour trip, but but uh, will we make it? I mean, we left early morning Thursday. Should definitely make it. The wagon driver sleeping and mefart. Fifteen hours later, night starting to fall, and they're not there yet. They came in the forest. They hitched the wagon up to the tree, and the gang shlafen. Chassid slept. He was sure the Vashem didn't. So he woke up in the morning. He woke up in the morning. And they started going right there. And the Chassid already saw the visions of spending Shabbos in his wagon. And lo and behold, in the distance, is a house middle of the forest middle of the forest a house and they start getting closer and to much to his surprise and to his joy there's a mezuzah on the door Shai we're going to spend Shabbos here Shabbat said I won't see my parents so they stop there and the Rashanta gets off and says to the Chassid Vardo Wait here. Moshevta goes into the house. He goes to the, towards the house. The woman opens the door. Simcha Gedela. The husband comes running out. They greet each other. Moshevta goes in for 15 minutes or so. Chos is getting antsy. they got to get going. They're never going to make it to Leipzig. And vanished. Moshevta comes out. Fart weiter. Alright, maybe we can still make it. How far could we possibly be? The GPS wasn't working. There was no, rece- no reception. And we start going and all of a sudden middle of the forest Shanta says, stop. Shanta gets out of the wagon takes a cup with him 
tells the Chassid, come. They're walking, they're walking, they're walking, walking, all of a sudden they feel, they hear a gurgling, a bubbling, like a water. And lo and behold, there was like a little pond, a little brook running there. Hashemta took his cup and he dips it in the brook with tremendous kavana makes a bracha the whole forest heard it drinks his cup of water he had a shmat over it because it was filtered and after you have to add everything today or else you know you get hit by the uh, the bug activists uh, and he makes a bite of fascists but again, the whole forest hears them. And they get back on the wagon. Kumafart. I'm getting Shabbos. No. What does the Schassid say when all of a sudden they're in the streets of the Leipzig, of Leipzig? Can't believe it. <laughs> Where? When? But they start going and he knows the streets. And the Vashemta is telling where the wagon driver to go. And the Vashemta starts directing the wagon driver to go into the neighborhood where the university students hang around. Not a pleasant neighborhood, to say the least. Especially not for a Jewish boy. And the Chas is trying to tell him, no, no, Rebbe, the Jewish neighborhood is the other way. But... Who is he to tell the Bashem? And they pull up, and it's Mamish Shabbos is coming in front of a shoemaker's house, shoe repair, whatever it is. And Bashem tells the wagon driver, Machnel, Shabbat Shabbos. Bashem goes to the door and he starts to bang on the door. And he hears locks and locks and locks unlocking. And the guy opens the door. And sees the Holy Bashem with his Talmud. And he's in shock. A Jew? What are you doing here? Do you have any idea where we are? Do you have any idea what's going on here? What kind of area this is? Kids, he quickly pulls him inside. And he locks the doors. Bashem says, oh, look. You have seven sons. Yourself is eight. Myself and my Talmud here makes ten. We have a million. And the Vashemta goes over, takes a talus, or doesn't take a talus, whatever the Vashemta's minig was. And he starts davening mincha. And he's davening mincha with slavos. The whole neighborhood hears him. And this poor shoemaker is sitting. He's shaking in his boots. And after Mincha, you hear that everybody heard about this beautiful davening. Bottles are smashing against the door. And rocks are flying. It's a pretty serious situation out there. All of a sudden, Bashem goes to the door. He starts unlocking the door. He starts unlocking the door. 
And the guy is screaming, well, where are you going? Where do you think you're doing? And Hashem opens the door, and they're throwing things. Hashem, nothing hits the Hashem But, a fellow with a stick comes running to attack the Hashem And as he gets near the Hashem he freezes and starts to scream in pain. Another guy sees this, he grabs a knife and he starts running to the Bashamtiv. And he too freezes on the spot as he's writhing and screaming in pain. Finally, the people saw that this is not a simple simple issue here. And they started begging the Bashamtiv to release them, to let them go. And Bashamtiv said, Tfila. And the two of them fall down limp to the ground. Everybody runs away. They ran for their dear life. They realized that they started with the wrong person. And the Hashem turns around and leaves the door open. And the Hashem starts Kabbalah Shabbos. And the Hashem is davening Kabbalah Shabbos, and the sounds of the Tefillah, the Hashem leading the Tefillah, Kabbalah Shabbos, were just unbelievable. And all of a sudden, this tall, slanky figure not very pleasant looking comes waltzing into the house he stands in the corner and he's listening and he's watching and he listens to the whole davening he doesn't move and then they sit down to the meal and the Vashemtev is saying and the Vashemtev is singing the Gunim and everybody's singing alone and this man's standing there, staring at the Bashem HaKadosh, staring and staring. The meal finishes, they bench, and this man walks over to the shoemaker, and he asks him, tomorrow morning you're doing this as well? He says, yes, at what time? And he leaves. And lo and behold, the next morning, by Brachas, this man shows up and again repeats. He stands in the corner observing the davening, listening to the Nigunim, observes through the Shabbos, gets the smell of the Kishke, and he just stands and stands and looks at the Vashem HaKadosh. Early the next morning, Hashem to thanks his hosts. Um, I guess they didn't go from Love Malka to the Chasid's house. And he leaves back to Mezhibush. And a few short hours later, he was back in Mezhibush. It didn't take anywhere near as long to go as to go home as it took to come. When he comes back to Mezhbuj, the Chassid asked the Baal Shem Tov, what 
happened. And the Bashanta explained that the couple that we saw in the middle of the forest is one of the Lamed Vav Tzadikim, one of the 36 Tzadikim of the world that the world stands on. He is the Tzadik that's going to be the first one to know when Mashiach comes. And it took me, I sat with him, I discussed with him to hear and to see. Then we had to go to this brook. This brook, since creation of the world, nobody ever drank from this brook with a bracha. No one ever made a bracha on this brook. And very, very shortly, this brook is going to be drying up. So it's not possible that a brook of water should be created and nobody should make a bracha on it. So therefore, I saw to it to go to make a bracha. And as far as our guest in the house of the shoemaker, you'll find out. Years later, the Bashem was nostalgic. And it must have been 20 years later. One day the Chassid is walking. I don't know if it was in Mezhibush. Maybe we have to try to squeeze in a little bit quickly. Um, the Chassid... was walking around I don't remember where yeah it was walking around walking around in Minsk actually and this distinguished looking Jew stops him and asks him if he was the Talmud with the Bashemtov and if he ever visited Leipzig and the Chassid answered yes, and the Jew hugged him and kissed him. And he said, I was that professor that visited you that Shabbos. At that time, I was a turning point in my life. I was a known, rabid anti-Semite. But I felt a yearning, a chukka. And when I heard your teacher davening, I knew, when I heard that he paralyzed my students, I knew I had to meet this man, I had to see for this man for myself. And his davening had such an effect on me. After a few months, I disappeared from the university. I moved to another country. Country, I converted. I was Megaya. I converted to Judaism. I don't know how your rabbi should know that this anti-Semite was looking to become from, and therefore made his way all the way to measure to Leipzig to bring back this neshama. This, during the three weeks, we learned Hechaz Beis HaBechira, we learned Yecheskel, the Navi, the Navu of Yecheskel, the Bayez Shlishi, we learned the Mishnah of Midas, Mishnayis Msechtas Midas, also talking about the second Beis HaMikdash, and Hechaz Beis HaBechira and the Rambam. In Yecheskel, the Malach takes Yecheskel for a tour of the Beis HaMikdash, for the Bayez HaShlishi, and when he comes to him, he shows him part to part and he measures each part of the third Besamikdash. Then he comes to the Holy of Holies, to the Kedush Kedushim, and he says to him, wait here. 
And the Malach goes inside and calls out to him the measurements that he's measuring inside. Then he comes out apparently and he tells him, this is Kedesh HaKadoshim. Even in a dream or in a vision of a Nevoah, the Malach is telling Yechaskel that you cannot step into the Kedesh HaKadoshim. According to Deya, he was a Kayin. But to the Kedesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, he was not allowed to step into. The beginning of the Sechus talks about the, the different positions, different points where the Levim and the Kanam had to stand to watch the Beis Hamidash. They didn't need to watch the Beis Hamidash. The Beis Hamidash was self-sufficient. It had a wonderful alarm system. Um, it was wireless. They found now that it was wireless because they don't find any wires. And um, no matter how dig they deep, how dig they deep, right? How deep they dig. Must be late at night. And the halacha was that the Kayin God Harabayas would walk around on his tour at night, checking each one of the people that was sitting on Shmira. And if he found a lady sleeping on his shift, he beat him. And the Mishnah tells us that even worse, he lit him on fire. And if you heard screaming from the Beis Hamidrash, someone would say, what's the screaming? And they would say, it must be a lady that was lit on fire. And actually the Tana, that basically says most of what Mesech Tzmid is based on, said that his uncle was a lady, and he once fell asleep on the shift. And he, yeah, he got his portion. The Rambam is a halachas. Halachas of how the Beis English has to stand. But most importantly, the halacha of how we need to fear, respect, and revere the Holy Temple. Today's day and age where we don't have the Holy Temple itself, we do have a Beis HaKnesses, Beis HaMedrash, where we go to Daven, hopefully three times a day. In this place, we need to say, We need to treat it with the utmost respect and the utmost fear. May we be zeichet at this very Shabbos. We zeichet to the billion beis After all the yiridas that we had in Golos, especially the yiridas already of the night of the three weeks that we started from Shabbos Batamas over now into the second week of the three weeks, and we be zeichet this very Shabbos. We be in Yerushalayim, Irak, Kedesh, with Mashiach, Tzidkenu, Shabbat, Shalom to all.